This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hello, it's Mark here, and welcome to the Clonmel Podcast, episode 123 for this Friday, the 3rd of March. Isn't it nice to see spring and March arrive at long last? How was your week? Hope it went well. Set to get even colder next week, according to Med Aaron, with a risk of snow. I know. Better get the bread in, we're thinking the beast from the east too, all over again. <laughs> Those traffic lights at Castle Street should be sorted by now. I believe the council got on the case there during the week. As you may recall, they were staying red for literally ages and green for a few seconds. Lights are set to be installed on Hopkins Lane very soon as well, the council have informed us. My mum used to live there years ago. Congratulations to Jenny Cox, who launched her book, A Life to be Lived, last week. Well done, Jenny. And also, congratulations to all the restaurants around Clonmel who have been nominated for an Irish Restaurant Award. Best of luck to you all in your chosen categories. We also found out this week that the redevelopment of the Clonmel Library will cost around 10 million euros. Happy birthday to Shoes Cottage at the West Gate, who celebrated five years in business this week. And, uh, well, what can we say about Marketplace? I was over there the other week, saw these smashed windows and doors just being left open on vacant property over there. It's so sad to see, and you may have seen the pictures yourself on the various social media pages throughout the week. Hopefully the council will do something about this once thriving part of Clonmel. So, what is coming up this week on the Clonmel podcast? Well, I chat to photographer Nicola Corboy, recorded at Marleyfield Lake. News on a few walks that you may be interested in. We've got bingo news, microchipping for your pets, and lots more all coming up. The Clonmel Podcast. But first, Strictly Come Dancing for South Tipperary Hospice comes to Hotel Manila very soon, and I caught up with Gronia Vaughan to find out all the details. Gronia Vaughan, welcome to the Clonmel Podcast. Thank you. So tell us about Strictly Come Dancing for South Tipperary Hospice. Well, it's going to be a really exciting night. Um, so we came up with the idea back in October and the hospice is a great committee here in Clonmel. Like they need to raise about 750,000 every year just to pay the nurses. So normally we would have a lunch, um, which is in Manala every year, but we decided to do something a little bit different this year. So we are having a Strictly Come Dancing um, in aid of the hospice on the 31st of March at Hotel Manala. All sounds very exciting. Can you give us an insight as to who may be in it? Well, I suppose the initial concept was to um, to do something a little bit different and go from re- go really strong character men in the town. For example, who would have ever thought that Richie Gleason from Gleason's Bar would be dancing in a Strictly? <laughs> uh, Stefano, who was on Operation Transformation. We have Owen Lonergan from Tip FM. Um, so that's just a little taster of the male characters that are actually going to perform. And some of the ladies? So we have uh, Natasha Cox, who's a teacher in the um, Sisters of Charity here. Uh, Maud Chi from the Hospice Committee and I are going to take part in the group dance. Um, And I'll leave the other girls a little surprise. I will just say Ruth Butler from Choral Society is also dancing. And you've danced before, haven't you, in this? Hence why you're, you're in the group dance this year? Yes, I did the uh, commercial Strictly Come Dancing in 2017 with Joe McNamara as my partner. Joe is actually participating in this one. And had I not been organising, I'd be mad to be on the dance floor. But I will be in one of the numbers with Maud Shee. Okay. What else is happening on the night? I suppose there'll be an interval act from Ruth Quinn's dance troupe. Um, 
Hopefully, we'll, George Barry is emceeing. We might have a couple of little surprises thrown in, and um, it'll just be a great night of dance. The songs and the dances are fabulous. Like, they really get everybody energised. And, of course, everybody can stay on and have a little dance themselves afterwards. Fantastic. Look forward to that. Where can people get tickets from and how much are they, Gronia? The tickets are €30, Euros and you can purchase them at Lloyd's Pharmacy in Oakville. Um, at Eldon's off license and Manella will have some as well. All right. It'll be mainly Lloyd's and Eldon's will have the majority of the tickets. And how are tickets selling so far? Great. Oh, that's great I'm news. Quick and buy them. Yeah, so 31st of March, Hotel Manella is the place to be. And what time is it all starting at? Uh, I'd say be there after 7 o'clock. It's free seating, so. Okay, so maybe 7 till late. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go on, you. Thank you so much and the very thank best so of luck much. with it. Okay, thank you. Now, news in from Tipperary County Council to let you know some traffic disruptions starting next week on Queen Street by the new Little store, which I believe will be open in a couple of weeks. It's from Monday, that's next Monday, to Friday the 10th of March due to road resurfacing works. It'll be happening between 8am and 6pm. Now, if I was you, and I use Queen Street quite a lot, I'd avoid that area next week as much as possible. The Clonmel Triathlon Club are holding the Kamida Clonmel Sprint Triathlon on Sunday, the 14th of May. Now, it all starts at Shore Island with a 750-metre swim on the icy cold river shore. And then it's out and on your bike with a 20-kilometre cycle to Ardfinan and back, finishing with a 5K down the blue way. For more details, including signing yourself up, go to the Clonmel Triathlon Club's social media pages. As part of Finding a Voice, which kicks off next week, the Contempo Quartet with Eleanor Kelly will play the Old St Mary's Church on Sunday the 12th of March at 7pm. Tickets are just €10. For more details and all the acts appearing on Finding a Voice, go to their social media pages. The Suella Walking Trail Series continues this coming Sunday, the 5th of March, with a walk from Clonmel to Kilsheelan. That's 14 kilometres. Check-in is in Kilsheelan between 9 and 9.30 a.m. We'll be bus to Clonmel. You'll walk along the Blue Way over Sir Thomas's Bridge, heading towards Tickingcore Woods and onto Gertine Woods to Kilsheelan. Price is €20 Euros per person. Get more details on suella.com. And on the following Sunday, that's the 12th of March, there's a Kilsheelan to Carrick Walk, which is 13k. Anne-Marie Slavin at the gorgeous Emaru Health and Wellness Retreat in Gotenbridge has a few workshops coming up in April. There's Reiki Level 2 on the 15th and 16th of April and an Art and Soul Day, which is working with the power of the spirit and art as in painting. That's on the 29th and 30th of April from 11am to 4pm with a light lunch. Price is €100. Euros. Oh, and there's also a development circle on the third Friday of every month. For more details, go to emaru.ie. That's E-M-O-H-R-O-U dot I-E. It's our home backwards. Subsidised microchipping for your pet takes place this month. The price is just €10 Euros per pet, maximum two pets, so well worth getting your dog or cat microchipped. And it's happening at the Clonmel Vets Davis Road. By appointment, to book yours, call this number 052-61-827-66. Black Crow Chicken will be rocking in Kilcash on Friday the 10th of March. For more details and tickets, go to Mia Carney's Facebook page. Peaks Mountaineering here in town have their Knockmill Down Crossing on Saturday the 22nd of April. There's three walks with all levels catered for. All the details on Peaks Clonmel Insta and Facebook pages.
Now, fancy doing something this week? Want to pop along to the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History at Migdale Square for a look at their 25,000 artefacts on display. That is a lot. Where you can also check out their Untold Stories Tipperary Civil War Exhibition. Entry to the museum is free and they're open from Tuesday to Saturday from 10am to 4pm, closed for lunch between 1 and 2pm. For more details, go to hiddenhistory.ie. The Clonmel Library are running a Lego club for six to nine-year-olds every Tuesday from 3.30 to 4.30pm. It's on for six weeks starting on the 14th of March. They're also holding a Lego coding club for ages 10 years and upwards from the 23rd of March also for six weeks. That's on every Thursday from 3.30 to 5pm. To book, call this number 052-616-6130. Love a bit of Lego. Now, here's some good news. Visiting is now permitted at Tipperary University Hospital from 2 to 4 p.m. and 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., but not outside these hours, well, only for exceptional circumstances. Two visitors are now allowed at the patient's bedside and masks must be worn. I know before they were only allowing one person to visit. Do you remember that? Yeah. What a pain in the backside that was. And speaking of the hospital, you'd be glad to know that all your favourite DJs are now back on the Tipperary University Hospital radio station, which you can listen to on 93.7 FM. The Clonmel Flower Club will have their next monthly meeting at Hotel Manila on Wednesday the 15th of March at 8pm. All are welcome to attend there. The very popular Nagels in Kilsheelan are changing their opening hours for food. It's from the 8th of March. They'll be open Tuesday to Sunday from 12pm to 9pm, and that's for food only. The Clonmel Greyhound Stadium are holding a benefit night and monster raffle on Sunday the 19th of March. Doors open at 2pm, lots going on. The best thing to do here is go to the Clonmel Greyhound Stadium Facebook page for more details. Clonmel World Music have three acclaimed Americana and country folk artists coming to Raheen House. They are J.P. Harris, John R. Miller and Chloe Edmonston. It's on Thursday the 2nd of March. Doors open at 7pm. Music starts at 8 and tickets are available from clonmelworldmusic.com. That's set to be a great night. The Clonmel Rugby Club Split the Bucket draw will take place this coming Sunday, the 5th of March at Gleason's Bar at 8pm. And remember, you can purchase your tickets in 50 outlets around Clonmel. The Bellevoci Choir are holding a table quiz and raffle at the Coachman on Thursday, the 9th of March at 8.30pm. Table of four is €20. Another table quiz is taking place at Moynihan's Bar on Thursday the 9th of March at 8.30pm. Table of four once again, €20, and this is an aid of St Vincent de Paul. All are welcome to attend there. The South Tipperary Autism Group are having their Members' Monthly Meeting at the Clonmel Resource Centre on Wednesday the 15th of March at 7pm. All members are welcome to attend. Now, how about some bingo? Well, it continues this coming Monday at Hillview Sports Club with a jackpot prize of €1,000. Wouldn't that be nice? There's two grand in prize money and their split-the-bucket draw continues. All starts at 8pm and you get tea and coffee and maybe a bicky at half-time. And staying with Hillview, they're having their end-of-Easter holidays family event on Saturday the 15th and Sunday the 16th of April Lots going on here, including a bouncy castle, music and entertainment, giant games, and so much more. Tickets are just €10, Euros, which includes a free popcorn, slush, or candy floss. And they're available from www.electricpartyrentals.ie events.
United Cricket Club Mel has been selected by Tesco Ireland and will be supporting the club to raise funds as part of the Tesco Community Fund. This is now underway at Tesco Club Mel and will run for 12 weeks. So if you can, when you're buying your goods, look for the blue token and put your blue token in the slot provided for United Cricket Club Mel. Pop-up theatre present The Vagina Monologue, directed by Patricia Hart, coming to The Coachman on Thursday the 30th and Friday the 31st of March at 8pm. Tickets are just €15 and available from the book market in Marketplace. Call 052-61-292-36 to get yours. A charity gig is coming to the Talbot Hotel on Friday the 10th of March, featuring The Way Hayes, The Pearly Whites and Super Soul Machine. That is a serious lineup. Tickets are €15, available from Hotel Reception, and there'll be finger food served on the night. Proceeds are an aid of Seesaw and the South Tipperary Autism Support Group. Now you've still got time if you'd like to take part in this year's St. Patrick's Day Parade here in town on the 17th of March. You can register online at www.countytipperarychamber.com and go to their news and events section. And registration actually closes next Monday, the 6th of March. Now, our friends at Yoga Walks Ireland have teamed up with Nador Wellness Centre to bring you a retreat on Sunday, the 12th of March, from 10am to 2pm at the foot of the Galti Mountains. The price is €75. Caroline and Anne-Marie will take you on a beautiful yoga walk in the Galti Castle Woods. You'll also enjoy gentle stretches, meditations, soul cards. There'll be conscious breath work to release trauma, unwind, relax and shake off any negative thoughts. To book, call this number, 87 one double two zero one one six. That's oh eight seven one double two zero one one six. Or check out Yoga Walks Island on social media or Nador Wellness Centre. The Clummel Podcast Job Spot. Now jobs this week. Busy bees are looking for an early years practitioner. Minimum of FETAC level five childcare qualification or above required. 20 hours per week. If interested, email your CV to office at busybeesclummel.com. Manny Restaurant in Parnell Street are hiring. They're looking for a chef to party. If you'd like to apply, just email your CV to info at manny.ie. A farm veterinary receptionist and administrator is required at Southview Vets in Irishtown. You can drop your CV in there if you're interested. A goods inoperative is required at Top Park Motor Factors here in town. Once again, just drop in your CV if you'd like to apply. Dunn Stores here in town are looking for staff. More on jobalert.ie. The Junction Cafe are looking for experienced full-time waiting staff. You can send your CV to junctioncafe18 at gmail.com. Pennies in town are looking for staff. Once again, drop in your CV there to apply. And finally, grooms are required at Ballydoyle Racing just out the road in Rose Green. Excellent terms and conditions. Email Aidan O'Brien at ballydoyleracing.com. If you've got a job you'd like to offer, you can advertise it right here on the Clonmel Podcast. Just email Podcast at gmail.com. Now, time for this week's interview, and you may have seen Nicola Corboy's amazing wildlife pictures on social media. So, last Saturday morning, I decided to join Nicola on location at Marleyfield Lake for a chat, and hopefully not scare away the ducks or the birds. The Clumbell Podcast. I've come to Marleyfield Lake on a cold and foggy Saturday morning, and I'm joined by, can we say wildlife photographer, Nicola yes. Corboy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. So you dragged me out of bed at this early hour. Yeah, which is late by my standards. <laughs> it is late by your standards. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, you've taken some amazing photographs. Thank you very um, much. Which I know you post on social media as well. Yes. 
Most recently, the otter photograph. Where yeah. was that taken? Right, it was Other down people by... would have seen this as well on social media. Yeah. Um, besides Marlefield, I go down to, say, the Shore Blue Way just as much. And usually I park there just nearby Shanahan's house where all the lovely um, carvings and everything. So I was heading down. I was actually coming back up the way. Mm. Um, not too far, maybe five minutes from Sir Thomas's Bridge. Yep. And coming up from there. And I wasn't expecting to see anything. I was on my way home. And I noticed something, a little black tail moving. And I just stopped, got the camera. And I was very fortunate. He must have heard me, got a bit startled, turned around. And I had about, God love him, the little mouth open. Um, I only had about two seconds to capture him. And he was gone, gone off into the river Great again. picture. Really Thanks. was a great picture. Now we're here today. This will be a, a, one of your, first of all, what's your favourite place in Clonmel? You told me off air, am I right? And That's right. That? Because That's you're a Marlefield girl, and we'll get into that in a few moments' I time am indeed, as well. Yes. So would this be a regular haunt where we are today? Absolutely, for mm. me. I come out here quite a bit. Um, I'm usually here easily about three or four times a week. Um, as, as the brighter evenings and the brighter mornings come in, I'll be probably be out here around seven in the morning after I drop Glenn down to work. Um, so I usually start here with the benches where you can feed the ducks and um, I take quite a lot of photographs here. It's, it's a fantastic spot really because it's so wide open and with this lens here I'm able to kind of see right across to the other side of the lake and be able to get a relatively... Um, relatively good shot. See, I'm looking at the water now and the mist rising off the water and the ducks and the swans out there. Is that potentially a good photograph for you? For landscape, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Wildlife, not no. so much. No, 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 no. Um, we had a duck a kind of landing on the water there earlier, flying in. Would that have been a good picture? It would have been a good, but fantastic But we were chatting away. <laughs> we were chatting away and I missed it and I've had numerous opportunities like that. Um, I re recall the time I was down the Blue Way with the Kingfisher just shortly, you know. Mm. So anyway, we, this is where I start and mm. then I start heading down this way towards the All other right, end. We'll, we'll take a walk down. Tell us about your camera because you've got a huge lens on that. Yes, um, this this is the 80 to 400 millimetres. Um, I have great interest in photography, really, um, most of my life, really. Um, I always loved looking at the family, the photo albums. Um, but my real kind of grounding in photography started in 2002. Right. I went back as a mature student to Tipperary Institute. And in the second year there, in 2003, there was the photography module with um, Rachel Toomey. Mm. And that's how I got the kind of the grounding in it and it was fantastic there was a dark room it was all still film oh really mostly kind of back then right so not only the joy of taking the pictures and coming across an slr um, camera for the first time in my life but you got it's an art form really developing them the physical holding the chemicals and seeing them kind of come to life is fantastic so i got my grounding in it then but really what happened then was in 2005 um, Bernie Goldback, he was my media studies lecturer mm. and he said to me why don't you start putting some of these things up online you know which I wouldn't have thought of and there was at the time still is there Flickr it's an online platform for people to share photographs mm. so I started putting my work up there and um, I kind of that's when it really took off my interest in photography um, in 2005 and then you'll be quite surprised by the amount of positive feedback you get from and that people. that must be not great just... satisfaction though. Yes, Surely. yes, it, must yeah, it be, was, it know? was, it was, you know, and that kind of, you know, that positive feedback, it kind of encourages you to go do more, get better, 
you know. So when you started out taking photographs, did you kind of go, right, I will do, say, landscaping or wildlife? Did you decide what to do then? Or were you just taking anything, anything that moves? Anything, <laughs> anything that moves at that stage. <laughs> yeah, um, I used to um, portraits, people, spiders, flowers, landscape. But you do notice kind of as time goes on, you go into certain, you find kind of where your niche is. Mm. You find, right, I'm a bit better maybe at landscape than I am maybe at some other kind of photography. And so generally, you know, for a good lot of that, about 10 or 12 years, I would have done primarily landscape work. I had at the time um, the D80, which is an entry-level DSLR, and it was fine. It did me for so many years. But I thought then after a while, you know, I need to up the game a bit Mm. as regards the equipment. So in January 2020, I invested in this camera, this lens, and I have two or three other lenses at home as well. And um, so I noticed the difference straight away, but it was just like going up to the professional gear. Probably like it was going like from I'd never taken a, a mediocre car to a high-end luxury yeah. type car. Yeah. And would you believe yeah. it was so, such a jump, such a leap mm-hmm. after investing in this gear, it sat up in my room for five months. Go away. I'm going to hear it. Why? I just couldn't get Why? my head around it. All the different, oh, right. uh, the menu, settings, everything, yeah. the settings. I would have had maybe five focal points on the previous camera. This is 153. No way. <laughs> yeah. Is it heavy? Can I just... You can, of course. Just, yeah. just, just you can leave, it, leave it on. Um, heavy camera. Oh, it's pretty. And, like, you know, when you think about it, the 400 millimeter, there's lenses beyond that. I'm looking now at maybe getting the 800 millimeter. So I, I would definitely need maybe to use a tripod for that because the camera itself would be getting so heavy and the photographs would be pretty blurred, you know, just simply because of the weight. Of the lens. Do you have but, a favourite picture, photograph you've taken over the years? It was the Kingfisher. Was it? Yeah, finally took me about three months of basically staking out Marlowfield. Now I did see him after two days, mm. um, but the first um, shot I got of him, everything around him was in really sharp focus but him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wasn't too enamoured with that. Um, so. Oh, look at I, Robin, quick, quick, Nicola. There we go. It's Robin in front of us. Nicholas, there we go. Now he's. Oh, he's. There we go. That's it. I'll have to get him up above now. There we go. A beautiful bird. Would you have taken that picture normally? Just me shouting it out. I wouldn't have taken it. Not at all. (laughs) No. I just got very excited. Look, (laughs) it's a robin. Not a robin, maybe. (laughs) No, I've taken plenty of good shots of the robins, but uh, so common now. If it was the kingfisher, now absolutely. So the kingfisher is your favourite photograph. Yeah. Because it took so long to finally get a good image of him. I was literally out here, I think, with um, other photographers were here. Um, Danny Scully was here, Mick Bulger was here. Oh, look, two um, ducks in flight, Nicola! (laughs) They're about to land into the lake! No! Sorry. So, (laughs) sometimes, actually, funny enough, see shots of the birds in flight like that? Yeah. The camera focuses on the branches. So right. you, um, it's great if we can get a bit of a clearing like we can just see there. It's fantastic to get the swans and the birds in flight, but you'd have to kind of get a spot where there's not too many of these branches right in front of you because unfortunately the camera does tend to focus yeah. in on it. 
So I'm um, sure they And when you were a kid, did you get a camera, one of those old Intimatic cameras as a kid? No. <laughs> no. 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 Not no. at all. No. Uh, um, so where did the interest actually come from? Is it in the family at all? I had a great interest in, say, the photo albums as a child. Yeah, you were saying that. Um, yeah, right. Definitely. Yeah. But I didn't actually have a camera till I got into my 20s. Mm. But um, on my mother's side of the family, it's definitely in both sides of the family. My uncle John Dennehy. Right. Um, he's a brilliant photographer. He did the photographs for my dad's night back at 1991. There you go. Yeah. And um, who'd you take with you then? Can you remember? Dennis Mulcahy. Dennis Mulcahy. Park. Hello, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, funny enough, I was in um, Costa Coffee there on Thursday morning, and he was there. there I hadn't seen him. I think in 20 or 30 or however long ago it is now. But um, and on. Um, I have a great interest in genealogy as well and family history. Mm. So my aunt Deirdre Corby was telling me that my great-grandfather, Daniel Corby, who was born in 1860, right. um, he, for his time he had a camera as well. Go away. And he had a great interest in photography. Oh, my God. Uh, which was amazing for a man of his time. Yeah. You know, and an awful lot of um, his photographs are still there. And um, Deirdre was very good to send them on to me. So it's fantastic to have. Isn't that funny, though? When yeah. you think like that, you go back all those years, and there he was with his camera, yeah. interest in photography, and he you are today. Yeah. Doing exactly the same thing. I love when I hear stories like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. So how far have you traced the family back to? Um, on my father's side with the mm. Corbys, back to Michael Corby in 1765 up in Newport, um, more northern tip. Yeah. That's where my great-great-grandfather was originally born and then the family moved down to Ferrybank with the railways and then my great-grandfather came to Clonmel. Um, he That's Ferrybank in County Waterford? Yes, yeah, County Waterford, yes. it right? can be classed yeah. as Kilkenny sometimes, yeah, yeah, it's on yeah. the border there. And I'm trying to think now how far back did I get on the Dennehy side. Um, it would have been Dennis O'Neill, my great-great-grandfather, he was from Dunaguiha out in Newcastle. And uh, my great-grandmother was Margaret Goff, and they were all from Motel in Ratgormock. Oh, wow. Now it goes, I got right back, can't know the exact connection, I can't think it off the top of my head now, but to the butcher family of Waterford in the 1700s through her. That's fantastic. So, yeah. and even when I did the DNA there in 2018, so many people you would know in Clonmel to say hello to, and you would have had no idea you no. were related to them. Cousins popping up all over the that's place, right, Nicola. That's right, second cousins <laughs> once removed and all of that. So it's, um, after photography, it definitely would be, say, the, the, a great interest for me. I spend almost as much time at it as I do with the photography. And actually in relation there, when I was talking about my great-grandfather, Daniel mm. Corby, who was born in 1860, um, unusual for a man of his time to have a camera and to mm. have an interest in photography like that. He was also a previous owner of the railway bar and that would now be known as Kitty O'Donnell's. Kitty O'Donnell's, yes. no way, yes. yeah. wow. And yeah. what year are we talking about, roughly? Nicola, I'd say roughly, I do know in 1888, mm. he was registered as the owner. And I do know up to about 1905, when he married my great-grandmother, he would have owned the railway bar as well. I know it's changed hands after that. There was a previous owner, mm. I don't know the exact story there, but before Kitty O'Donnell took over, you know. So yes. it's great because funny enough, a lot of people um, seem to have often said to me when they'd hear my surname, was I a blow-in? <laughs> you know, that I wasn't... It's an unusual name, Corboy, isn't it? It is, yeah. it is, it is. Um, but no, not at all. No, so where well does Corboy stem from? 
Um, the Irish of it is um, O'Corvui, um, derived from Mac Corvija, which means yellow crane. Ah, yeah. oh my God. Yes, That's yes, very yes. interesting. Yeah, it's an well. unusual surname. And a lot of people would think we're related to TJ Corby in town. He's involved with the GAA. Right. Um, but no, we're two no. entirely different families. They, I, th- I think if I'm correct now, TJ can correct me on this, but I think they spell their name C-O-R-B-Y. And we're C-O-R-B-O-Y. B-O-Y. Yeah. That's very... Well, I was in school, actually, with Maria Corby as well, his daughter. Yeah. You know, people thought we were related all the time. So, no, we're definitely not Lowens, and um, especially on the Dennehy side as well. Well-established Clamell families. Yes, indeed. Noel Dennehy. Yes. Yes, yes my uncle, former yeah. mayor and president exactly. councillor. Exactly, yeah, councillor yes. Noel Dennehy My cousin well. Niall, his son, was also mm. a councillor as well. You well know, this is... So interesting, There's isn't lots it? of history going back. I think there was Richard Dennehy, Niall might correct me on that now, or John will, <laughs> um, involved in, in local politics in the 1800s as well. So you so never planned to go down that route? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Staying with the photography. Staying with the photography and the wildlife, absolutely, and the genealogy, yeah, and the public speaking. I gather when you're taking, especially the wildlife pictures, are you there for hours till you get the right picture? Yes, yeah. Like the kingfisher? Yeah. How long were you there waiting? Oh, actually, when I finally got him, mm. would you believe I was only there about two, um, two or three minutes? No way. But I had been waiting yeah, about yeah. maybe three months to get that two minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I can, we can head up if a uh, mm, bit of time. We'll do that, we'll do that. And I'll show you exactly where I got the photograph of the Kingfisher. So tell us about yourself as well. So you, you're from Marlefield. Yes, I was reared out here for about um, 1983. Um, Good days, a lot of childhood memories yes, around this area. actually out here, um, one of my closest friends, um, Katrina Delaney. Mm. Um, we became friends when we were 12. So um, she just, actually we'd go up, that's where I got the Kingfisher shot, it's up by her house. Okay. And um, so we used to spend a lot of time, I used to come out here and spend a lot of time out here, um, all right. Um, so I know the area quite well and I've quite an affinity for the place. It is beautiful though, isn't it? There's it no is, doubt about yes. it. It's, uh, I think it's a special part of Clonmel and the surrounding areas. It is. It? it really it is. is. And actually even when the first lockdown, that's actually funny enough how I got more into wildlife photography mm. than even landscape, um, was during the, the lockdowns. And you couldn't go more than 2K that's or right. 5K. Yeah, do you remember that? <laughs> um, so I couldn't head off and take uh, my landscape images. So I started coming out here. Ah, and that's right. how I more honed in then on wildlife photography. And let's face it, you can't get, I suppose, a better place. All the wildlife we have here no, at Marlefoot no. Lake as well. It's fantastic. And it's such a challenge, really, wildlife photography, because I know your chances increase the more time you spend out here. But with wildlife, you can have maybe yeah. only five seconds to catch a really good photo. And then the, the bird or the animal is, is gone. Um, unfortunately, I've never seen, there's a sign up there for all the other types of wildlife around here, like a stoat and an otter. The sign is gone, um, has it? It used to be a sign with all the... There was one yeah, there, there was. for the birds. I remember that. Yeah, that's gone. Um, but there's one there for the other kinds of um, wildlife that are here. But whatever about the blue way, I've never actually seen an otter out here. Okay, so you mentioned the fact you're from Marlefield. Yes. School, where'd you go to school? Presentation. Presentation. Convent, Clamwell. Yeah. Good days. Great days, actually. Mm. Fantastic days. You know, absolutely loved it over there. Um, many of the teachers, actually, mostly we had nuns back then. I don't think there's many nuns teaching today. I don't think there is, is there? 
I don't know, and I don't think there is now. Yeah. Um, great place to go to school. Um, that's where all my friendships were formed. Who were some of your school friends back then? Uh, they're still my friends today. There's yeah. a group of us. Um, Alison Bryan, Katrina Delaney, Janet Azusa, Teresa Wall, Orla Drohan, Marion Morahan. Actually, Marion now would be... We lived up in Highfield Grove together. Right. And um, so at the age of four, we used to walk to school from, say, Highfield Grove down to the presentation and back again. So technically, we've been the longest. But that group of friends, we're all still friends today. And um, so it's great to have that, to go through kind of life and the different stages and the different mm. phases. Um, How long were you living in Highfield Grove for? We lived in Highfield Grove until I was seven. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think, I was actually on my birth cert, it says Abbey Road. Right, okay. <laughs> Where my grandparents, yeah. um, Kevin Dennehy and Nora Dennehy Power lived. We lived, I think mum and dad lived a few doors up from them. But I think I was only a few weeks old or a couple of months old when we moved up to Highfield Grove. And we lived there until I was seven. And then we actually, the great-grandfather that I just spoke about, yes, he would have had a farm down there in Redmondstown, right. where Medite is now. Yeah. And we moved down there for a couple of years. Um, so we lived on the farm there for a couple of years. How did you find that? Loved it. So being from the town and then moving out to a yeah. farm. Well, up until seven, I was definitely a real townie, that's yeah. for sure. But I think the couple of years on the farm, that's where I got my love of the countryside and nature. And that has stayed with me ever since. Um, I just absolutely love it, you know, and being out, it ground, grounds you. Yeah. Nature, you get back to yourself, you know, and just even being out in the greenery and everything like that, it, it does, it's good for the soul, that's for sure. So, what's your full-time job then? Um, I don't have um, one full-time. I do the, the photography semi-professionally. And I'd also work as well as a support worker on the Living with Dementia program fantastic. as well. Yeah, fantastic. So I do that two or three days a week, and then I do the photography then for the rest. So you're kept busy at the same time. I am, actually, yeah. yeah. very busy. Okay, yes. so we're back where we are. Any, any photographs yet? There's a lovely swan coming over there by the lake actually, there. Yes, and there's Nicholas about the tufted to, duck. To get the picture. You see that little guy there? Yeah, there we go. Nick is taking the picture of the, the swan. You know. There's, can you see them there, the black and white little guy there? Yeah. That's the tufted duck. And it's wonderful now because they're quite up close now. Oh, they're I not at the other side of the lake. Well, that looks amazing. So that makes a huge difference, as you, you can imagine, to the quality of the every ripple of the water in there as well, I see. Yeah, it's fantastic. And up along here now, it's quite possible you could see... Morning. Well, how are you? You could see the kingfisher. It's very rare. Imagine it's quite the elusive. kingfisher makes another appearance while we're recording this. Wouldn't it be fantastic? <laughs> Absolutely. So but did you stay around Clonmel or did you, did you move away at all? Um, I moved away um, for a while mm. um, in the early 90s. I was over in Scotland. I worked in the Glen Eagles Hotel over oh, there. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, so that was... Um, we did saw you try a lot Haggis? Of the I did, I did. What do you think of Haggis? It's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite nice. I was trying it as a kid. Yeah beautiful place and I'd often go up around by um, the Glen Devon that was a mountain range beautiful. near Octorada at the time and um, yet again the scenery up there was stunning I'm just sorry really when I was was living there I never went up around the highlands right up by Aberdeen mm. um, it's somewhere I'd like to go especially now with the, now with the, camera. the landscape yeah. I'd absolutely love that 
So I came back then about a couple of years afterwards, back to Ireland. At the time, I had a bit of a Scottish twang on me. Did you come back with the accent? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Were you I, saying things like, we this and we that? I was. Everything was a we this and a we that. <laughs> but I think... What I did your friends tell you? Or yes. family? Family, yeah. yeah. My brother lives... Um, he, he, st- he lives in America still. Yeah. Um, but he lived in New Jersey at the time. And David and when he'd be talking to me on the phone. <laughs> so what's that? <laughs> what kind of an accent have you got? You know, because he's been in America now really for about 30 years and mm. he's not, never once lost his Carmel accent. It's as strong as the day there you he go. went you over. I was different. I think, <laughs> I think I'd more the expressions as right. opposed to mm. the accent. Mm. 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 I don't know, I'm not sure. That's my take on it anyway. Mm, yeah. So when you came back, what did you decide to do then? Actually, when I went back, really, uh, when Christopher was seven, probably eight now, um, when I think about it, I went back as a mature student, as I said, to Tipperary Institute. And not only um, did I get the grinding in photography there, mm. but they put you through your paces as regards really? public speaking. Oh, no. But they do, they do. I admire anyone yeah. who public speaks, but also anyone who reads in mass on a Sunday. And I believe you do that as well. I do, oh, I do. So um, because of my experience in Tipperary Institute, yeah. I was down at mass one day and one of the readers was sick, couldn't. So Gina, she's the sacristan up in the Church of the Resurrection, um, she knew I had a bit of experience with some of the presentations I had done down to Tipperary Institute. So she said, any chance um, you'd stand in and do one of the readings? So I did, and I remember- Were you okay with it? Well, no, you're I wasn't at the time, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, but I, d- I remember saying to myself, yeah. this once, this is it. I'm not doing it afterwards. And what's that now? Eight, almost 18 years now. And I'm still there. Um, I do the readings every third Sunday and sometimes the Christmas Eve Mass and if there's anything, um, you know, special occasions or whatever, if I'm about, I'll go down, you know. So it's, while it's nerve wracking, that's for sure. And the nerves never completely leave you, no matter. Mm how many years I've been doing public speaking now. Have you ever read out a passage of Mass? I know you've messed it up, but you just keep going, do you? Yes. <laughs> and no one's copped it, no one's twigged it at all. They've twigged Maybe the priest may have twigged they've it. They've twigged it, um, <laughs> but um, they're, they're, they're kind enough not to say it to you. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, and stay on this side of the road, because I'm going to show you now where I finally got um, the Kingfisher King diving. And public speaking, I mean, that's again, that's, a, that's another nerve-wracking thing. That's two things I don't think I could do, is public speak and also read at Mass. Remember, God rest his soul, Father Colm O'Brien? Father Colm, yes, lovely man. And yes. he said to me, he said, would you read out a passage of Mass? I went, oh, Father. Yeah. I said, I really couldn't do that. Now, the, the biblical names and the pronunciations can it's, be very, very it. difficult. That's it, and that's the whole reason why. Well, this is where the internet is great. <laughs> because there's a biblical pronunciation website mm. so you can type in right any name yeah any place um, that's there that's mentioned and um, they'll play it back for you oh very good yeah so um, is that what you do then i do that i do that all the time <laughs> now, i'm a bit used to them now but um but it's a great resource, absolutely. So my husband, Glenn, he also reads at Mass as well. Does he? He does, yeah. Yeah, and he's very good at it too, you know. But yet again, he found it initially quite nerve-wracking. Mm. But it's in the moment, of course it is. It's nerve-wracking, you're nervous, you're anxious, you want to make sure you mm. pronounce everything right. 
but you do notice then afterwards it gives you a confidence yeah. that kind of permeates then other areas of your mm, life mm. you know and that's um it's a great advantage to it as well it's good to challenge yourself oh it's i think i think nervous. it's to get you outside your comfort zone isn't it it's good to it's, do that and it's great and even after 18 years of it now i'm still nervous i'll tell you all i still the week before now i'm actually on this sunday always preparing you never just go up and you know see it for the first time mm. you know because you have to get the feel for it the flow of it but there's nothing worse than reading out something for the first time in front of people, is there? Well, that's happened too. Sometimes yeah. if somebody's sick, you know, you, you wouldn't have probably. Like, ah, Nicola, could you, um... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you have to read yeah, it. Yeah. And your initial gut instinct is to kind of say no, because mm. you haven't prepared, but it's good for you. That's also a very, very good experience. And where would you do well. the public speaking? Um, I would have, obviously, in Tipperary Institute, they really mm. threw me in the deep end, mm. you know, with presentations. That's how I started doing that. And um, I would have thought photography with the VEC as well oh, very for good. a few years between 2009 to about 2013, 2014. The years are going by so fast now, I'm losing track. So it was when I was down um, with the NLN one time and Jerry National said to me, Yeah, um, I met Jerry there, I think it was last year sometime. He knew I was into photography. And Kitty. Yes. Mm. So he said to me, any chance you'll, you could do run one of these courses for us? So um, I was quite nervous because it's one thing knowing something yourself and knowing the camera settings. It's a whole other skill trying to convey that to other people. Yeah. Um, and yet again, it was definitely kind of been thrown in the deep end yeah. and getting out of your comfort zone. But you but did. I did it. Did it. Yeah. And did it for a few years then after that as well. So anyway, here I am now. And this is where you got the Kingfisher photograph. Yes, I had been about three months I had been waiting around here this is the bridge here so this is the um, if you're coming down from St Patrick's well towards the lake this is the bridge you'd pass isn't it right next to my good friend Katrina Delaney's house there right and um, Michael is in there they're more family than friend to me now but I had been staking out between here from seven in the morning and then I might travel over to where you feed the ducks going between the two places but you really would have to stay about two or three hours in the one spot so one afternoon I came out and I just parked the car where I did this morning, came out here and there he was, that branch there, you can just see no it over, way. kind of overlapping yeah. just, just above the, 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 the lake there, that piece of stream there and he was just sitting there. So is it very quiet, get the yeah. camera, or was it a quick draw? No, he, <laughs> he sat there, would you believe, for two minutes. And he turned the back for me and the back of the kingfisher is also so beautiful because that turquoise streak mm. and he was so close that I could get good quality image mm. of him as well. And as I said, he was there for about two minutes, which is an entirety when it oh comes to God. a kingfisher. And I got him just when they dive into the, the water. It's so fast. It's literally, I, uh, oh my God. They're so, so I got him and but got him on the branch as well. So I was absolutely ecstatic after three months to get a good, good good shot at the kingfisher. If people want to view your photographs, where can they view them? Okay, I have um, the Facebook, Nicola Corby Photography, so just type that in. I'm also over on Instagram, um, Nicola Corby Barnett, I've included my married name in that. And also I have a website, nicolacorby.ie. And can people buy the photographs? They can, of course. Okay, on the they website? Can. On the website they can, of course, yeah. yeah. So. If you go to the store section, um, on the website, it's just there in the, the top menu. You'll be able to 
catch it from there. Now, I mentioned this before we started, but you should have an exhibition yeah. in town somewhere. Yeah. You yeah. really should because you. you've taken yeah. some amazing photographs. And, Thanks. you know, not everyone is on social media, but also to yeah. go along and see these yeah. photographs yeah. in person, so to speak. I think that's know. one of the kind of maybe the downfalls of the digital age. We have everything online or on memory sticks or on mm. the hard drives and the computer, mm. and we don't print them off too often anymore. You've probably taken thousands, have you, over yeah, the years? I have, <laughs> I have, which, yeah. ones, <laughs> which ones do I go yeah. with for the yeah. exhibition? But definitely um, I have um, ideas for the exhibition now in the pipeline. Mm. So hopefully in the next few months now I'll Please be able do. to give and, you a few details. And keep us updated, won't you? I will, of course. It's been a pleasure joining you on this Saturday morning yep. to see what you do, getting the wildlife photographs. I think we got one or two, did we? We did. We got one. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> and we're here from your favourite place in Clonmel. Nicola Corboy, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us on the Mark. podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Nicola. And it's quite funny the way Nicola was talking about her interest in genealogy. I got a call from her during the week to say that we are actually related, I think, through marriage. Isn't that bizarre? So thank you again, cuz. There we have it. That is the Clonmel podcast for this Friday, the 3rd of March. If you'd like to get in contact, I would love to hear from you. You can email the Clonmel podcast at gmail.com. You'll find us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, on the website, www.theclonmelpodcast.com. Have a lovely week. Stay safe. Look after one another. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast.